From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Well, good morning and welcome to Parkway Church. What is really cool is we're live. We're live right now in the church building as you're watching um, we're here, and we have our team here, and it's, it's, it feels really good to be here. It feels so strange because I'm, I'm looking out, and no longer am I just looking at a camera. I'm looking at, I got three, we got three people back there. We got one here. We got one here. We got one there. We got some in another room listening online and, and, and chatting in with you guys online. Um, so I'm excited, but I, I, I feel, it feels weird. It feels odd, but I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about this, um, that we can actually have some semblance of, of back to Parkway Sunday service, so I hope you're excited. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties this morning. Um, for whatever reason, the stream from YouTube isn't getting to our, our church online platform, and so some of you are engaging in the chats on church online, which is great, so if you're, if you're into that, get on there, and you can chat while watching on YouTube, because we are live on YouTube, um, which is all good, so we're we're making it. We're getting through. And I'm just believing in faith that as we continue to move forward, we're going to work out all these kinks. And so as you tune in from wherever it is you're tuning in, there's going to be some semblance of, of Parkway Sunday morning. What I've been thinking about a lot this morning is that we are one church in multiple locations. One church um, in multiple locations. However, the location isn't like another campus in another city. It's, it's your living room. It's your bedroom. It's your kitchen while you're having pancakes. It's your cell phone. In your in your bed, I don't know, whatever it is, we're one church, and we are we are we are united in the same spirit. The same spirit that's in this space as the worship team led in worship is with you in your home, and so you need to trust in that. You need to engage in that, um, and just believe that the Spirit of God is going to talk to you and speak to you this morning. It is Communion Sunday today, so what I want to encourage you to do is grab um, something to take communion with, a cracker, or juice, or wafer, or whatever you have on hand. I got some stuff up here. Our team's got um, stuff, so we're going to have communion at the end of the service. And communion is our way of really just pausing and remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. If you have a Bible... Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to take a detour from our series in Mark, and we're going we're gonna to look at this series called This Is What We Do. This is what we do. This opens doors and solves problems. This inspires others to do this. This is the good kind of contagious. This, when people are talking about our lives, when, we're, when our lives are over, this is what we want them to talk about. This is what we are hardwired for. This is who we are, and this is what we do. So wherever you are, even if you're in this space, text somebody and just say, this is what we do. In the comments, if you're still commenting, engaging, say, this is what we do. I want to talk to you today about this, the blessing of generosity. I want to talk to you about the blessing of generosity. I don't know if you're like me, but do you get excited when somebody starts talking about generosity? I think some of us do, and some of us not so much. Some of us get really excited, some of us don't. But listen, at Parkway, we want to be the kind of people that make a difference. 
Part of our mission is to, to bring people to a place where they know God, they find freedom, they discover purpose, and they make a difference. We want to make a difference. We want to make a difference with, with, with the resources we have. What if, let me just pose this, let me throw this out there. What if, Parkway people, we led the way with irrational generosity? What if we led the way with irrational generosity? Now, I asked, um, and we asked this week on social media, you may have seen it, we asked for your stories about generosity. I want to I hear your stories. Even if you're in this space, I want to hear your stories about when, what God did through you or to you through generosity. I want you to boast about it. I want you to boast about what God did. So share us or tell me your stories so I have them um, because that's going to be helpful as we move forward in this series. Jesus said this in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. My kids would probably have a hard time with that, but it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I truly believe that. I truly believe that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. But, but a lot of us get uncomfortable when we start talking about generosity. Some of you put up a nice like white picket fence. You're like, oh, here we go. Generosity talk, money talk. Uh, you know, your heart just went, I'm just going to close the little white picket fence gate and I'm just going to sit back over here. We have a hard time. Unfortunately, in our society, a lot of people aren't generous. A lot of people aren't generous. Now, we, we think we're generous because we give. We think we're generous because we give something, but giving and generosity are two different things. Giving and generosity are two different things. To be generous is to have an attitude and a readiness to give more of something than is expected or necessary. Biblically, it's to orient your life around the joy of God using your life and using the resources you have, your time, your talent, and treasure to bless others. Let me just give you two quick statements and we'll kind of look at them. Most Canadians don't feel rich, and we are. Most Canadians think we are generous, and we're not. Most Canadians don't feel rich, and we are. Most of us don't feel rich, let me tell you why, because there's always someone that we're comparing to that is richer. We don't feel rich because there's always somebody out there that's a lot richer, a lot more wealthier, someone who has more toys, so we don't feel rich when we compare ourselves to those people. But if we actually compare ourselves to the rest of the world, we can actually see that as Canadians, we are incredibly wealth, uh, wealthy. Depending on what you read, if you have transportation in a car, if you have access to transportation in a car, depending on what you read, you're around anywhere from the 6 to 10% most wealthiest people in the world. Just having access to transportation. Now, if you're watching today, if you're in this room, you probably had this kind of experience even during COVID. You got out of your house and you got into a vehicle. And you sat down and, and maybe you put, put on some air conditioning in this vehicle. And, you, and maybe you're the passenger, that's why it's on this side. Maybe you're the driver, it's on this side. And then you drove somewhere. Maybe you drove to the grocery store. And if you're, if you're so inclined, you didn't have to get out. You could have went on a device ahead of time, and you could have ordered, not like takeout food, but your groceries. And then you sit in your vehicle, and, they'll, and you call a number, and then they come out with a cart, and they load up your vehicle with your groceries. Or maybe you drove somewhere, and you socially distanced at a patio at a restaurant, 
And then, you know, maybe on your way back, you grab some rustic scoops from, from here right in Corona. Because, you know, shameless plug for rustic scoops. I don't get any royalties because of that, but it's good. You should check it out. You, you, in your car, and you just had some ice cream, and then you did this. You, you got it, you drove back in your car to your place of residence, and as you got close enough, some of you, some of you pressed this little button. You pressed this little button, and a giant door opens up, and you drove your car into this space, and you parked your car in its very own house. You have a house for your car, and you don't feel rich. Now, some of us have so much stuff, we have so much stuff that we can't even fit our car in the house. We have to put other stuff in this space because we have so much of it. Now, somebody out there is saying, well, I don't even have a garage. That's what it is. That's what the house is for your car. It's called a garage. Like, I don't even have a garage. And now you're comparing yourself to someone who's richer. The point is you have access to a car. You have access to a vehicle. If you earn $25,000 or more annually, you are among the top 10% of the world's income earners. Now, I get that in our nation, that's not a lot of money to survive and live on. But when you put it in perspective like that, top 10% income earners. If you have food in the refrigerator, if you have clothes on your back, thank the Lord. If you have a roof over your head and a place to sleep, then you are richer than 75% of the world's population. Most Canadians don't feel rich, and we are because we compare ourselves to someone that's richer. And most Canadians think we're generous, and we're not. It's because we live in a society that tells us we're generous. I looked back and tried to find um, studies through Stats Canada, and according to Stats Canada, in a 2010 study, which was the earliest that I could find, Anywhere from 84 to 94% of Canadians donate to charity. 84%. That's good, right? That's great news. Canada gives. But then when you look at the average donation, it was $466 a year. That works out to be around $1.30 a day. Some of us spend more on coffee than that in a day. I found another organization, CanadaHelps.org, who had a more recent study, a giving report from 2018, shared that only 20.4% of tax filers donated to char- charity. Only 20- so eight years, there's a significant drop, with the average donation of $346. $346. Now, here's the thing. Um, statistically shows that the more a Canadian makes the less likely they are to give. The more income we have, the more that comes in, the less likely we are to give, statistically speaking. According to Canada Helps, as our population in Canada grows, our Canadians are giving less than ever. This is not generous, right? This is, this is not generous. Most Canadians think we're generous, but we're not, statistically speaking. This is not God-honoring This is not what we do. This is not what we do. As followers of Jesus, we take our cues from the Lord. We're imitators of God. And we lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. More blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, here's the reason why we don't give. If you're tuning in, don't tune me out today. Like, this is good stuff today. The reason why we don't give is because we don't think we can. We don't think we can. 
We don't think we have enough. Most people I know would love to give more. Most people I know would love to give more, but we're tight, and, and giving makes us feel a little bit more uncertain about our finances and our future. I hear a lot of people say, I'd love to give more, but statistically, that's not true if we had more. People will say, I'd love to, if I had more, I'd give more. If I had, if I had opportunity, I'd give more. But the more we make, statistically, the less likely we, we are to give. We don't think we have enough. And here's the reason, and this is what we're going to focus on probably for the bulk of this series, is this idea that we have a scarcity mindset. There exists inside of us a scarcity mindset. It's the mindset that says there's not enough. I don't have enough. It's the mindset that says I wish I could give, but I can't afford it. It's the mindset that says we can't get ahead. We're always going to be behind. Some of you may have grown up in a home like this, right? I grew up in a home where my parents were always like, turn off the lights. What do you think we're made of? Anybody? Money. Money. <laughs> Most of us know that because everybody in the room is like, yeah, money, money. What do you think we're made of money? And I even hear myself saying the same thing now to my kids. I'm like, ah, you forgot to turn off the light. Do you think we're made of money? We grew up in a mindset of scarcity. We have a scarcity mindset. And this is how the mindset works. It's really a cycle. It's a cycle, and here's how the cycle works. God supplies. I think we'll have a, a little slide there for you. God supplies. He gives. He provides. We receive. We have income. And then we consume. Because God provides, because he supplies, we have, and now we think that what we have is ours, so we spend it on whatever comes in. We spend whatever comes in. We spend it on bills, and we spend it on a home. We spend it on luxury. We spend it on toys. We spend it on food. We spend. We consume. And then near the end of the month, we feel like we don't have enough anymore because we've consumed so much. Now we feel lack. Our bank account is closer to the, the maybe, maybe the line. Maybe it's dipped a little bit into overdraft. We feel lack. And when we feel lack, then the dominant motion that we feel is fear or worry or uncertainty. I'm not going to have enough to pay the bills. But then we get another supply and the cycle starts over again. We're back into the consumer I consume, I consume. I remember growing up, my parents used to tell me, is that money burning a hole in your pocket when I get paid? Because I get money and I feel like I just got to spend it. Now, some of the things are worthwhile spending on, right? We got we to gotta pay the bills. But we consume and then we feel lack again. And then when we feel lack, we begin to feel fear or worry or uncertainty. And the cycle just continues and continues and continues. This is often what people maybe refer to as pay, living paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck to paycheck. God gives, he supplies, so we spend, we consume, and then we lack, and then we fear. And you can hear this mindset in our language, right? I wish we could do more, but we can't. I, I wish we could have, but we can never get ahead. It's this cycle of scarcity. Now, if you found yourself tensing up or cringing or maybe you put up that nice white picket fence, I like to call it, when I started talking about generosity or giving, you may have a scarcity mindset. But as followers of Jesus, we need to have a totally different mindset. As followers of Jesus, we need to have a completely different mindset. Because of what God did and does, because of what God did through Jesus, we do something different. And when we do something different, God does something different. And because he does something different, it creates this whole new cycle. Not one of scarcity, but one called supply. Supply. So this is what we do, number one, is we give generously. We are, as followers of Jesus, people who give generously. Here's what the scripture says, if you got your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 
9. I was going to start at verse 7, but I'm going to start at verse 6 now because I read this a couple weeks ago and it was good. It says this. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever lives in a mindset of scarcity will reap scarcity. But whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He goes on to say, each of you must decide in your heart how much to give. Let me just pause here. There is an assumption, I believe, in the mind of Paul and in the scriptures that we are giving. Giving is just a given. It's a given to be given. He doesn't say, if you give, you must decide how much to give. He doesn't say that. He says, whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously, reaps generously. Generously, Each of you should give whatever you've decided in your heart to give. There's an assumption that giving is taking place. And he goes on to say this. He says, and we don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. If you feel pressured or manipulated to give, don't give. This is not my words. This is the scripture. Can, can, if you're listening, you're thinking that this is just a church and we just want your money. The church is all wanting your money. I don't want your money. I'm telling you what the Bible says. If you feel begrudged to give, feel obligated to give, if you feel pressured to give, don't give. This is God's word. He's saying don't give like that. Don't do that. We don't want that kind of giving. It's not welcome here. So if you're just giving because you have to, stop. Some people are like, Pastor, don't tell people that. I'll take whatever. No. Don't give. This is what Paul's word says. Do not give. Do not give. Why? He says, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. This is what we do. We give cheerfully. We give with joy. We really believe that it's a blessing to to give, that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, to be generous. And then what happens? Supply. Verse 8 says, and God will generously provide all you need. Give cheerfully, and then God supplies. Don't give if you're feeling pressure to give. Don't give if you feel like you're being manipulated. Don't do it. Don't push stop. Give cheerfully, and God supplies. And then he says this, and then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share. When you give, you receive, and then you have plenty for what you need, and you have plenty left over to share. And then he says in verse 9, they share freely, they give generously to the poor, and their good deeds will be remembered forever. This is what we do. This is the mindset that we are supposed to have. And here's the cycle. God blesses us, and then instead of consuming, we give first. And then when God gives, he blesses us with generosity. He's generous to us. He supplies to us. And then we have everything we need and more left over. And this principle, let me tell you, is countercultural to the mindset of the world. Our mindset in the world says giving should be last. you gotta pay your, you got to pay yourself you got to pay your bills. you got to save. And that is all good and important. But then giving comes last to the world. But to the mindset of the believer, giving comes first. And when we give first, we're supplied with everything we need and more to give. When we give, this is what we do. This is what God does. Number two is God multiplies abundantly. God multiplies abundantly. It says this in verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. So God gives us seed to sow. He gives us resources to work with. He gives us something to plant. He gives us something to produce with. And then when we produce with that, he gives us the bread to eat. It goes on to say, in the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources. 
This isn't the, this, the mindset and the cycle of scarcity. This isn't lack, right? This is supply. This is abundance. And then he says, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So God blesses you to give so that he can provide for you, so that he can create in you a mindset of generosity. I feel like this, if this was a bank, it wouldn't work in their favor. Because God's bank is all about giving to you. He wants to give to you so that you can give to someone else, so that he can give more to you, so that you can give to someone else. He wants to create in his church, Parkway Church, a a atmosphere, a culture of generosity. And he's like, the, he's like the banker says, I got millions and millions of dollars. I just want you to have so you can give. And the more you give away, the more I'm going to give back to you. The more you bless and the more you're generous, the more I'm going to provide you with. But what we do is we get a little bit of it. And we're like, oh, I don't know, man. I got bills to pay. I got things to do. So I start to consume. And he's like, well, I can't give you more because you're just going to consume it for yourself. Think about that. Some of us are in a scarcity of mindset, a mindset of scarcity, because we're consuming, we're worried, and we're fearful that God's not going to give us more. What you have, he's already provided you with, and he wants you to use it to be generous so that he can give you more to be generous. That's what the parable of the talents is all about. When he gives to them, what's he say? He says, because you are faithful with a little, I will bless you with more. More what? More talent. Talent in the scripture is money. I'm not trying to be prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God's, God's investments, how God's kingdom works. He wants to bless, and then it goes on to say this in verse 11. Yes, you will be enriched in every way. Why? So you can be worried? No. He says, so you can always be generous. So you can always be generous. And then when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And you catch my breath, because I'm a little excited right now. This is the opposite of the scarcity mindset. It's the opposite of the scarcity mindset. God supplies. Now, what we need to recognize is that everything we have is from God. So God supplies. We get to choose what, 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 what cycle we step into. And this is how the, 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 the cycle works. God supplies, and then we give. We don't consume. We give. We don't consume. And when we give, we give back to God, we give our tithe, we give our offerings, we're generous. And then what does God do? He multiplies, he blesses, he provides us with more. We don't feel lack, he's multiplying. And then because he multiplies, what happens? Our faith increases. We don't feel fear, we feel faith. We have faith, and then the cycle continues. We have two cycles to live by, two different mindsets in us. And you will either live in one or you will live in the other. Now let me tell you something. I want to give you the biblical principle or a biblical principle that I believe will help you break the mindset of scarcity. And I need you to not tune me out. This is the one thing that preachers don't like talking about, but we're going to talk about it. Tithing is the biblical principle to break the cycle of scarcity and create the new cycle of supply. Remember what, what Paul said. He's like, don't give under pressure, out of manipulation. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to teach you how to break that mindset of scarcity. Tithing is the giving of the, the first 10% of what we receive. It's the first 10% that we receive. Um, and, and as we do that, it breaks that, that cycle, creates a new cycle. This is, this is what we're talking about is God's economics here. It flies against the, the world. We can't live like the world and expect godly results. The tithe comes from a Hebrew word, which means one-tenth. One-tenth of everything that comes into us, we bring back to the storehouse. 
The storehouse was a place where people were provided for, right? So if we received, let's, let me just do some math for you. If you get $100, the tithe is $10, 10% back to the storehouse first. Now somebody's asking, does this matter now? Does this matter in the New Testament? Does, does Jesus care about it? Does this matter now? Now if you go all the way back into the beginning before Moses, before the nation of Israel was established, before the laws um, of the Old Testament were instituted, before all that happened, there was this guy named Abraham who returned a tithe, 10% back to God through the priest Melchizedek. If you go back before Abraham, you have this guy named Abel. Abel gave his first fruits to God and God honored him for it, where Cain didn't give first fruits to God and he was not honored for it. Now, if we jump all the way to the New Testament, we jump to the Gospels, we have a conversation with Jesus and some Pharisees where he's saying to these Pharisees, he's saying, yes, give the tithe. Give the tithe, but do not neglect the weightier matters of the Gospel. Do not neglect justice and love. There are, there are things that have more weight to God than the tithe. There are things that carry more weight in the New Testament than, than the tithe. But, but, what, but Jesus said to the, as a response to the Pharisees, he's like, yes, give the tithe. Tithing was a given. Yes, give the tithe, but do not neglect justice and, and, and mercy and love. This is, this is something we see there. In other words, the tithe was there. This is just what we do. And when we give, God multiplies enough. It creates faith, and we create a cycle of supply that breaks the cycle of scarcity. See, when God blesses us, when he provides for you, you recognize that, and as an act of honor and worship and obedience, you give the tithe. I give 10% back to you, God. You've given me what I have, and so I give, give you this back. Tithing helps us recognize everything we have comes from God. Now, some of us like to say, well, I know everything I have comes from God. I don't need to tithe through that. And maybe you don't, but more often than not, your wallet tells you, or your wallet tells us, tells people, what you really, truly value. And if you say, hey, 10% or whatever percentage of everything that first comes in, I give away right away. It doesn't even touch anything. It's just cut right off the top and that's given back. That's God honoring. That's recognizing that God is first. So let me tell you about the, the power of the tithe um, because I, I really believe that we got a scarcity mindset. Let me tell you about the power of the tithe. Tithing is not um, an amount principle. It's a percentage principle. So it doesn't matter the amount you make. The first one is this. The tithe teaches us to put God's first. It teaches us that in our life, in this world, in our society, regardless, God is still first. Deuteronomy chapter 14, uh, verse 23, the Living Bible Translation put it this way, talking about the tithe, put it this way, I love it. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. That's in the Bible. The NIV, some of you are more familiar with the NIV, says, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. Why do you tithe? So you can put, learn to put God first. Why do you tithe? So you can learn to revere the Lord your God always. Why do you tithe? So you can recognize that even your money does not belong to you, but it belongs to God. Now, I know what somebody's thinking, but don't break free from this. This means, Pastor Call, that I'm going to have to rearrange my entire life around God. Yes. That's exactly what it means. This means that I'm going to have to give up something if I'm going to start tithing, if I'm going to start giving 10%. Yes, it means you have to make a sacrifice. It means we have to make a sacrifice. Who made the first sacrifice? Jesus. 
So we're just responding in kind to what Jesus did. This would really stretch my faith, Pastor. Yes, it would. Why? Because it takes faith to give first. It doesn't take faith to give last. It doesn't take faith to say, okay, I got this done and this done and this done. Now I have this amount that I can use to help somebody or to bless or to give my tithe to. That's not faith. That's reason. That's logic. Faith says, do you know what? I'm going to take first 10% or I'm going to take this percentage right off the top. I'm going to give that away. And I'm going to have faith that God is going to use the rest to help me live. Tithing every time I receive reminds me of what God did for me and it teaches me to put God first. Number two is the tithe builds our faith. Malachi chapter 3 Verse 10 to 11 says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Let me just pause there. The tithe is different from the offering. Offering is over and above the tithe. Offering is something you give in abundance. So maybe in, in our context, the youth are going to a conference, or they were before COVID hit. You know, they're doing some sort of event. That's an offering. We give over and above. The tithe goes to the storehouse. In our context, the storehouse is Parkway. It's the church. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, before I even get further, this is the only place in Scripture, if you're listening, this is the only place in Scripture where we're allowed to test God. Elsewhere, it tells us not to test God, but this is the one place where we're allowed. God gives us permission to test him. He says this. He says, test me in this. Try it out. Give it a shot, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store, store it. See that I don't multiply it. Come on. He's calling us out. It's like, that's what I feel like. I feel like God is calling us out. He's like, come on, give me a shot. Let's see what happens if you give and see that I don't multiply it. See that I don't bless you with more and even more so to give. See that I don't give and supply. In other words, God's saying, give me your first and I'll bless the rest. Give me your first and I'll bless the rest. God can do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. And some of you are in such a scarcity mindset because you're using funds without God's blessing. You're getting what he's given you through however your income comes in. That's a provision from above. Every perfect gift comes from above. That's a provision from above. And instead of honoring God and acting in obedience, you're trying to take it and use it without God's blessing. So of course you're in a scarcity mindset. But he's saying, test me, try me, give first, and see that I'll bless the rest. God can do more. God's 90% of God's blessing goes further than 100% without his blessing. See what I can produce. And this is what happens with giving. God blesses you and it builds your faith. God blesses you and it builds your faith. So somebody was telling me this week about a season when they tithed. When they were, it was at their weakest season, but it was when they were their strongest in God. And they said they were tithing on everything, even on their, on their groceries. And they were blessed. And you know what, what spoke to me the most? Is I, as, as they were sharing, I could see the faith in their face. I could see the, the faith in their face. They're just, they were glowing with faith. They're like, you wouldn't believe how God blessed me. Time and time and time and time again, God blessed me. And as your faith increases, soon you're gonna see that your generosity increases. And no longer are you giving just 10% of a tithe. You're giving 11% and 12%, maybe 15% of a tithe. We're not even talking about offerings. 20%. 
And then soon and beyond that, you're giving offerings. You're giving gifts over and above the tithe. I need to distinguish that because we, like we like to blend the two sometimes. And then you're finding other ways to bless and to give because God is blessing you abundantly. And soon you're rearranging your whole life around this idea of generosity because you're beginning to recognize that everything you have is so God can use you to bless others. It's not for you. You know, when I was uh, in youth ministry as a youth pastor, there were teens in my youth group, two, two, two guys, and they had a single mom. Their father had passed away a few years before that, and I remember going to visit them this one time. I went to visit them and dropped drop something off for them, and I was talking with the mom, and she was saying how her car just broke down, and she's, she's in full-time school, and she's trying, to, she's trying to upgrade her skills so she can provide for her family, so she's in full-time school. She's also in full-time work, and she's like, now her car's broken down, and she's like, I don't even have enough money to fix it, and so she had to make arrangements to get to where she needed to go, and I'm just like beyond myself, and so I pray with her, and then I leave, and I went home, and I told, I told Jody this story, and we thought, hey, we need to do something, but the scarcity mindset kind of prepped in. It's like, well, what can we do? We don't have enough. We don't have enough. Now, Jody had uh, lost her. She damaged her, her glasses, and so she needed to get new glasses. And for those of you who wear glasses, you know they're not cheap, especially if you don't have coverage. They're not cheap. And so we had set aside um, some money. We had around $500 that we had set aside. And, you know, as we kind of weighed this out, we thought, you know what? She needs access to a car for her family and for her needs more than we need this right now. And so let's just give her this and we'll figure it out. That was literally, it was like, we'll figure it out. And so we did that. We gave it to her. And this mom, you could see, she was just incredibly grateful. She was what 2 Corinthians 11 says, when you take those gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. She began to thank God. It wasn't just thanking me. She was thanking God for the gift. Now, at the same time, we were visiting some friends and, uh, and jo Jody, just in conversation, begins to share how she needed new glasses. And the friend that we were chatting with and hanging out with just happened to uh, be someone that used to work for an optometrist. And so she got up in the middle of the conversation. She left and came back a few minutes later with a pair of glasses. She says, try these on. And Jody tried them on. They were beautiful frames, absolutely beautiful. All we had to, she's like, you can have them. You can have them. All we had to do was get the, the lens in the frame. All, that's all we had to do. God multiplied the blessing. It took faith for us to give that money away, but God multiplied the blessing. Let me show you how he multiplied it. Not only were we still provided for, not only were, were we still able to do what we had set out to do, but, but we were able to bless somebody else. Somebody else was blessed, and so their car was fixed. And I don't even know what happened to this other person who gave us the glasses. I don't know how they were blessed. But you see how that cycle works, right? We gave first, and God blessed. It is more blessed to give than to receive. The faith move says rearrange everything to do this. And that's often when the fear creeps in, right? What about my nest egg? What about my savings? But when you begin, you'll begin to see God multiply and your faith increases because of it. It is a lot easier for us to make those kind of moves now because we've seen God supply. We've seen God help. We've seen God multiply. It's more blessed to give than to receive. This is what we do. This is what we do. It makes no sense to the world. We give, but then God multiplies. It creates faith so that we can give more and more and more. God blesses you as you give. I'm going to invite Pastor Mitch to come up, get on the keys for us, the guitar. Number three is the tithe provides for the work of God's church. The tithe provides for the work of God's church. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. 
Bring the whole tithe, not half the tithe, not a quarter of the tithe, not a portion of the tithe. The whole tithe, he doesn't say the whole fifth, the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. So the the tithe gives the storehouse, in our case, the church, Parkway Church, the opportunity to to minister and the opportunity to provide. So we had shared a couple weeks ago about the different missionaries and, and organizations that we partner with. We partner with four uh, missionaries um, that are working across the globe in different contexts. We partner with local mission organizations. We partner with national organizations. Um, And I believe really for our church, our size of church, and, and what we do in our community, this is huge. That we're able to support four missionaries, a local organization, a national organization. We also give to our storehouse. So Parkway Church has a storehouse. We call this the, the POC district office. Um, they provide support for us. They pr- provide provision. Um, and they also do more for the kingdom. And because there is food in this storehouse, we can do this stuff. Because there's food in the storehouse, we can do this stuff. We're providing this service online. We're extending our reach. We're, we're reaching more because there's food in this storehouse. We are leading people to know God, to find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference because there's food in the storehouse. Tithing provides for the work of God's church. Tithing provides for the work of God's church. What could we do? Let me just throw this out there again. If you're listening, can I, can I jump to this one? Am I on this one now? on? Yeah? (laughs) That's a different angle. What could we do if we led the way with irrational generosity and had a storehouse that was overflowing with food? What could we do? Who could we we reach? What more missionaries could we partner with? Irrational generosity. Irrational in the sense that it says it takes faith to give first, to trust. But as I do that, I begin to recognize, number one, God is first. It builds my faith, and then it provides for the storehouse, provides for the work of God and the kingdom of God. Irrational generosity, tithing, this is what we do. This is what we do at Parkway. This is what we do. Are you part of the we? Are you part of the we? Or are you living in a, in a cycle of scarcity? Are you living in a cycle of scarcity, or are you living in a, in a cycle of supply? Are you, are you part of the cycle of consumer or are you part of the, the cycle of contributor? So here's my challenge, Parkway person. Here's my challenge, Parkway partner. Here's my challenge, person who's tuning in. I challenge you to start tithing, just tithing, not even offering, just tithing. Try it for three months, 90 days. Test God. Rearrange everything. We had to take our budget. This is what we do. We do it at the beginning of every year. We take our budget and we look at the year and we say, okay, Here's our income. Now we knock 10% off. That's the tithe. That's what we give back to the storehouse. And then we work our budget with the rest. And sometimes we got to wiggle it around. Some weeks we got to wiggle it around. Say, okay, you know, we got to move things here. We got to change this here. Can I just be honest? Some of you just need a budget. You need to start with a budget. That might help. But, But test God in this. Rearrange stuff. Put your faith to the test and give it a try. And I get someone saying, but you don't understand, man, COVID. It hit hard. I get that. I understand that. I don't want you to feel pressure to give. Remember the scriptures say, don't feel pressure to give. That's not what I'm asking you to do. Don't give begrudgingly. You give cheerfully. Don't give under pressure. But the desire is to break the scarcity mindset. The desire is to create a cycle of supply. It's to honor God and see that he blesses you. 
There's this story in the scriptures of this of Jesus and the disciples, and they're hanging out near the temple, and this woman comes, and she gives her, her temple tax, and she puts in two pennies. That's all she's got. She doesn't have a lot of money. She doesn't have enough. She doesn't have abundance. She takes her two pennies, all that she has, and she doesn't put in a tithe. What she put in? 100%. I don't know what that is in the Hebrew. Maybe it's a hundredth. But he put, she puts in two pennies. And Jesus stops the disciples and says, hey, take a look. She gave more. She gave more than the rest because the rest gave out of their abundance. It's easy to give, you know, a percentage when we have tons. It's really hard and takes incredible faith to give when we don't have a lot. And Jesus looks at that and he doesn't honor the person that gave 10% because they have a lot. He honored the person that gave 100% when they had little. He said she had nothing and she gave compared to everybody else. She gave the most. And I think some of the disciples were kind of like, what? You don't understand the math, Jesus. Two pennies ain't going to go a long way. But in, in God's heart, it's not about the amount. It's about the faithfulness. It's about the obedience. It's about the willingness to be generous. She gave more. I, I said this about six months ago, maybe seven months ago. I don't really know. We were in a series called First Things First. We're talking about giving our first fruits. And I mentioned how Jesus is God's tithe to us. God's son, he gave his first fruit to us. And what, what was provided because of that salvation? You ever think of that that way? That Jesus dying on the cross is God's tithe? So that the rest of us could be blessed? He gave the 10% so that the 90% could be blessed? Jesus gave the ultimate gift of generosity. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. He died on the cross for your sin, and he provides salvation. And so we're going to take communion together. So if you want to go and grab those communion emblems at this time, what does communion have to do with tithing? Such a weird way to end a service on generosity. What does communion have to do with generosity? I think everything. Everything. Because of what he did. We give because he gave. We give because he gives. We give as a reminder to put him first. And communion in a similar way reminds us to put God first. To pause and reflect on the sacrifice he made by hanging on a cross for your sins and mine. How, how selfish and how sinful of us to not follow the example of Jesus by living a life of generosity. How can we truly call ourselves, man, I don't even want to say this, but I'm going to say it. How can we truly call ourselves followers of Jesus if we do not follow in his way of generosity? How can we call ourselves followers of Jesus if we do not follow in his way of being a gift giver? We're not followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus are people who follow in the pattern that Jesus set. And so if we want to be like Jesus, we got to be people who are generous. And so we're going to pause and remember the sacrifice that he made, the example that he set, the gift that he gave. And what I want to do, Paul talks about this. He says, he says to not take communion in a manner that is unworthy, but to pause. So let's just take a moment. We're going to pause wherever you're tuning in from. We're just going to pause. I just want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want you to examine yourself and just see, is there anything in you? Is there sin in you that you need to repent of? Is there sin in you that you need to confess? 
that you need to receive forgiveness for, that you need to God just to wipe away. Maybe it's the sin of selfishness, greed. Is there something in you? Let's just pause for a moment, bring that before God, receive forgiveness, so that when we take communion, we take it in a, in a way that is not unworthy. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, we need you. Oh, we need you. God, we are, we are sinners without you. Thank you for the cross and salvation. So we just take a moment to examine, Lord, would you, Spirit of God, would you reveal to us areas in our life that we have yet to bring to you, that we need to confess, that we need to repent of, to turn away from as we remember the sacrifice you made. We do so now. We receive, God, we confess, we choose to repent, and we receive forgiveness in the name of Jesus. So Jesus set this example by taking bread and he broke it with his disciples and he says, whenever you do this, you do this in remembrance of me to remember the sacrifice I made in body. And so we take a wafer, you take a cracker, or you take bread, whatever you have with, with you right now, and we eat remembering the sacrifice, the gift, the generosity that Jesus gave. Would you take that with me now? Thank you, Lord. And then he took the cup. He says, this is the new covenant. This is, this is free salvation, free. It's the first fruits, it's the gift of generosity. It's my blood that's been shed for you. It's, the, it's covering of all your sin. And so we take the cup and we remember the sacrifice he made as a gift of generosity. We take that cup together, let's remember. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, we just, we just praise you and we thank you for the sacrifice you made on the cross. We thank you for the gift of salvation. And we just focus our mind and our heart and remember what you did for us. Help us be people in turn who act in generosity. Help us be people who recognize, Lord, that you are everything and everything we have is from you. I pray that you stir up in, in everyone that's tuning in today, but, but specifically Parkway people, a heart of generosity, that we would be obedient to the call to give, Lord, that we would be faithful to the call to give. And Lord, we would test you in it because I know, Lord, that as you say in the Old and New Testament, that you bless those who sow generously with more so that we can bless others. Help us to break the scarcity mindset, the cycle of consumer, and step into a, a mindset that takes faith but sees supply. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let me just give you the mindsets one more time. So God supplies. We give or we consume. And then as we give, God multiplies. Or as we consume, we feel lack. And as God multiplies, our faith increases. And in turn, the cycle begins again. Or we feel lack and then we feel fear or uncertainty and worry. And then the cycle continues. Which cycle are you in? What we do is we break the cycle. This is what we do. We put God first by giving first. Test God in this. Test him and see that he doesn't supply. I want to remind you, you can still give today. Um, but I want to ask you, tell me your stories. Tell me your stories of generosity. Type it in an email, send a Facebook message, get it to somebody, write it out, mail it, whatever you got to do. Tell me your story of generosity, a time when God used you, boast about it, God used you to be generous to someone else, or maybe you're the recipient of it, but just tell me your story about generosity because that builds faith. The, the testimony of others builds faith. And again, let me challenge you um, to be someone that looks at what you've received and, and recognizes that it comes from above. And I challenge you to put God first by giving first. God bless you, and we'll see you next time right here at Parkway Church. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.